2: It's Rick Tittle!
3: All right, Rick Tittle back in the hot seat, downtown San Francisco, California, the voice a little raspy, little FM, little Barry White, I used to say all the time, if you want to know what uh, FM sounds like, it sounds like this, if you want to know what AM sounds like, it sounds like this. Work am Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast, border to border. Are you listening on KSHP Vegas? I remember, I don't know, like 10 years ago, I flew into Vegas. I got into a cab. Guy's driving me to the hotel. And he's listening to my rerun on KSHP, which was a moral victory for me. And, of course, I couldn't resist I said, this is me on the radio. The guy's like, what? I go, this is me. It's my show out of San Francisco, and I'm here, so they're playing a rerun. The guy's like, what? I'm like, never mind. (laughs) I got to keep my mouth shut. 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on and get heard, girl. 1-800-878-7529. This would be a good day to call in, too. I mean, I do have a lot of guests, but... No guests until 940 when we'll have Karen Lyle and do a little salesport talk. But as you can tell, the uh, <clears throat> the voice is hanging by a thread. Tomorrow, Jeff Die in studio, Mr. Handsome Funny Guy. Look forward to that. Today, Haley and Michael's music duo we will also have David James at Cap City, comedian. Uh, speaking of comedians, Kathleen Madigan, she's a real big deal. She has her tour going on. We have broadcaster Miguel Horowitz from Telemundo and author Steve Guinan for his new book as well. We got so much going on. I hope my voice
4: makes it. Come on back. Staples has everything for school at great prices. So this year, you won't go back to school. You'll be ready to move forward and master fifth-grade math. I can't do this. It's impossible. Uh, not you, Dad. Your daughter. Staples will help her move forward. Ah, yeah, right. Right now, Staples One Subject Notebooks are just $0.35 cents each. Plus, during the Backpack Clearance event, you'll save up to 50% on select backpacks, lunch bags, and water bottles. Staples, this year we're not going back. We're going forward to school. In-store only ends nine, 3 limit 30 on notebooks.
3: Welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle with you, downtown San Francisco, right next to the strip clubs. Come on in and get heard, girl. What you get is what you got. What if I had a podcast called that? What you get is what you got. You know, there's a lot of uh, hubbub, not just around here, but around the NFL that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to stay with the 49ers. And it's funny because Lowell Cohn, the uh, longtime San Francisco Chronicle columnist, who's very opinionated, and he wrote a great column when I was in college called Little Prince Eddie. And there was a picture of Eddie DeBarlo holding a rattle. It was actually drawn, and he talked about what, how spoiled he was. This is Glenn Dickey was the other columnist, and he chided um, Joe Montana for not planning his wife's pregnancies for the season. I mean, they used to really go at it. But anyway, Lowell, <clears throat> who I know, I used to do Chronicle Lives with him, and I got to know him, this TV show, this panel show, and I like Lowell. But then I got to know his son Grant, who was a young writer for the Santa Rosa Press Democrat, and I would have him on ninety-five seven, And he would have some pretty, uh, as the kids would say, hard takes. And I got to the point where... I don't know. It was about five, six years ago. I go, Grant, you know, you got to be on the radio. And he would never say, "Oh no," he'd say, "Thank you very much." I go, "No, seriously." I go, "You're gonna, you're gonna be on the radio because you're just, uh, you're a great guest. So you got to have your own show one of these days." He's like, "Oh, I really appreciate that." Well, now Grant, he has his own. He's got thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of followers, and He's got this, uh, you know, on his Twitter, it's like a, gets a caricature of himself. You know, he's, but anyway, I, I bring up Grant today because he did a video, a selfie video yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago. <clears throat> and it was, Jimmy Garoppolo was ranked 106th best player in the NFL. What is this all about? He sucks. Anyway, he's, uh, <laughs> he's going, <laughs> he hates Jimmy Garoppolo and yet when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo now I'm a Raider fan so what do I care right but when I look at Jimmy Garoppolo and I think about all the quarterbacks that the Raiders had between Rich Gannon and Derek Carr who are the only two respectable quarterbacks they've had basically and Garoppolo with the Niners is 31 and 14 with 4 and 2 in the playoffs. Two NFC title games, one Super Bowl, both losses. 31 and 14. When he's not playing, they were 8 and 20. And you're talking guys like Bethard and Mullins, and I don't know who else besides Bethard and Mullins. There are some other guys in there. And Oh, Gabbert, I think, would be one of them. But Jimmy Garoppolo is... the, The thing you have to understand about Niner fans... Sorry, Dominic, is that they're spoiled. And Steve Young got booed because he wasn't Montana. And then Jeff Garcia got booed because he wasn't Steve Young. And it goes on and on and on. And I know that the quarterback gets all the blame. But Garoppolo... Doesn't complain uh, if you care about being good-looking, which I don't. He's got movie star looks. (laughs) The only thing I would say about Garoppolo is that he's just super injury prone. He's very fragile. And so, remember, he signed in 2018 a five-year, $137.5 million deal. And the 49ers, after trading their near future away to get Trey Lance who still hasn't looked great in any way, shape or form preseason or regular season. He hasn't looked like the next Patrick Mahomes yet. And the Niners basically all off season were saying, Hey, Hey, ho, ho. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G has got to go. Couldn't find a trade partner for him. And so he is restructuring his deal to a one-year deal worth $6.5 million that's guaranteed with a no-trade. Now, if he plays, he'll make close to $16 million. And I'll say this to Niner fans who are crushed by this. There's nothing wrong with holding on to good football players, especially quarterbacks. There's really not anything bad about that, but if you think about his base salary, twenty four point two million dollars until he restructured. So they were going to rip up that deal in case something went, uh, you know, until they, unless they couldn't find a trade partner, and I think really um, smarter minds prevailed. Because it makes no sense to get rid of a Super Bowl quarterback at his age. It doesn't make any sense to get rid of him unless you get something back. And they weren't getting anything back. Nothing. But since Jimmy Garoppolo has been in the NFL, he's the sixth best, sixth best quarterback. Now, I can say Derek Carr is probably three. So, I mean, these rankings don't mean <clears> – <throat> they don't always mean a super success. But – you know, a career passer rating around 100. You just, you don't give up the bank for that, but you don't just give those guys away. And the Seahawks said no, and the Browns said no, and the Panthers said no, and maybe a team we didn't even know about said no. But last year, Jimmy G played 15 games. He threw for nearly 4,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 12 picks. As the starter he was nine and six. I always say I give my quarterback one per game because when Peyton Manning was unanimous MVP, he threw 16 picks. Now he also threw like 50 touchdowns. But I kind of think I'll give a quarterback one per game because sometimes, you know, it bounces off the guy's hands. So 15 starts, 12 picks, 20 touchdowns. And you think about that deal that he signed. <clears throat> And, you know, tearing his ACL in, in week three, but then return the next year, leading him to a 13-3 and three record and Super Bowl appearance. And, I mean, Garoppolo, since 2016, has the fourth highest win percentage in the NFL. <clears throat> and you think about Jimmy G's arm when you utilize guys like Debo Samuel. But as soon as they traded up to number three... In the 2021 draft, it looked like his days uh, were over, and I think there's going to be a lot of teams, a lot of teams out there, especially Seattle. I mean, we'll see what Mayfield does in Carolina, but especially Seattle. You're going with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. I would have brought in Jimmy G, and I would have said, "Stick it to the Niners in the NFC West. Let's roll." And uh, for whatever it was, they're like, "Now, I think the thing that scared people off from Garoppolo obviously is the money, and obviously is the fact that, as I mentioned, he is a rep as a tin man, and which isn't great. But when he's healthy, look, has he made some bonehead passes? Yes, he has, boneheaded." But the thing is, as much as you say you just ruined everything, when you look around the league and compare him to other people, he's less boneheaded than most. So this is, I think, a fantastic piece of news if you're a Niner fan. You're getting a Super Bowl backup quarterback on a bargain contract. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Byline.
11: The and we'll ever be a one
1: That's 800-871-9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
0: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet
6: store? Right, right under-
14: i'm so disgusted by rick tittle that i find him very intoxicating
3: whatever works i always say welcome back to the show rick tittle with you 1-800-878-PLAY get in i told you to get in put a jacket on if you're going outside what are you doing Actually, I know someone who their daughter just got the driver's license and And the mother was telling me, it's all right, I got Live 360. I'm like, you got what? Live 360, it's an app that GPSes your phone. Your parents always know where you are, which is cool for the parents, but can you imagine how horrifying that is for the kid? Why did you go the other way home? Did you go by a strip club? No, there was traffic and there was construction, so I went the other way. Oh, okay, just checking. one 87 a play So, I don't know about Liv Ullman or Liv Tyler, but I do know a little bit about Liv Golf because they have harpooned a couple more whales from the PGA Tour. Even a Joe Dirt-looking guy. Because after weeks of rumors, Cameron Smith has officially joined Live Golf. Do we know who the ATN guy is? It'd be cool if it was Simon Holden so we could get into this. We'll find out in a bit. But that's six more players. And Cameron Smith was the champion golfer of the year and the winner of the Players Championship, which is the PGA Tours flagship event, believe it or not. And the biggest acquisition to date... Because he's 29 and entering the prime of his career. He's also the world number two. But he's also accompanied by, I want to say, Cameron Triangle, but it's Tringale. Is that how he says it? Tringale? Tringale. Tringale. Thank you. Cameron Tringale. The Rectangle is his nickname. Harold Varner III who was a pope in the 15th century. Mark Leishman Bon Lahiri. Do you know him? If Dominic doesn't know him, the guy stinks, because Dominic's a golf guy. And not stinks, but not a household name. And also Joaquin Neiman. So um, <clears throat> the young Chilean was a mainstay on the leaderboards this last season and of course captured the greatest title of his career at the Genesis Invitational February. That was hosted by a guy named Eldrick Woods Jr. And Neiman, 23 years old, was firmly on the fence leading up to this. He participated in the PGA Tour Players Only Meeting the week of the BMW Championship. Remember where Tiger flew in? And <clears throat> played practice rounds with Royal McIlroy, Rory McIlroy. They talked about it. And he's a World 19, and he went to the Live Boston event without a contract in hand and was ultimately swayed to make the jump from the PGA Tour. So originally thought to be seven new faces, presumed PGA Tour Ricky of the Year, Cameron Young, that's three Camerons. Let's see if they get Cameron Diaz as well. But uh, he was rumored to uh, be rounding out the newcomers at the Live Boston event. But with these sweeping changes now made to the PGA Tour schedule and compensation, I mean, they have responded. They're not saying, we're not changing our ways. Oh, they're changing their ways because they're scared. And they should be. They're going to be, um, you think about, the future participation in these team events and such. You remember we were talking about Jordan Smith coming out of Texas and you know, he was invited to play at the Masters, but he had to go to South America to get more points on his Podunk minor league tour so he could qualify for his PGA card. It is dumb. And it's an antiquated system, and I'm saying that knowing nothing about golf. <laughs> I'll never forget when the World Cup was here in 94 and they had the, um, the consolation game, which is the game between the, the day before the World Cup finals, the Saturday. And it's between the two semifinal losers. And it's always, not always, but almost always the most entertaining game of the whole World Cup because it's the only game in the World Cup where players are loose. And usually one team stomps the other. And I mean, five nothing stomps. Because one team's like, oh, who gives a crap? And the other team's like, I want a third place medal. I want to go home with something. But I bring it up because remember, uh, C.W. Nevias, who at that time was a sports writer, now he writes about Tigers' birthdays at the zoo or whatever. No, he's a good guy, he's a good writer. But he said, give the consolation game the old college try. He said, get rid of the consolation game. And this is a guy who knew nothing about soccer. So that always irked me. So I I say it very emphatically. I don't know anything about golf. And I think the way you get your PGA Tour card is stupid. So Cameron Young was interviewed by CBS He said, quote, frankly, throughout the whole process with them, I was very interested. I think they have a bunch of good ideas. I think they're doing some cool stuff. And with some of the changes coming, that's what really helped me decide to stay and pursue those goals I have for myself, like making the President's Cup team or the Ryder Cup team and winning a major, when all that is just uncertain if you leave. Unquote. So – Leishman, Lahiri, Tringale all fit the initial mold of the live target player. Moderately successful, um, but, you know, maybe considered some to be soon over the hill. But if you look about those three leaving the tour, could you say, are they substantial losses? Anybody who's on the tour and leaves is a loss. You have to. Be a good player to be on the tour but when you talk about Cameron Smith his interest in live golf was sort of uh, leaked peaked peaked with a, a I and a Q and a, a couple of E's because at the uh, <clears throat> at the uh, St. Andrews after the victory he was peppered with questions and um, apparently uh, Cameron Percy, this is our fourth Cameron we're talking about now, he told an Australian radio station that Smith was as good as gone. And Smith was asked about it. He said, I have no comment to that. Like I said, I'm here to play the FedEx playoffs. That's been my focus the last week and a half. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to win the FedEx Cup playoffs. And like I said, it will come from me. It won't come from Cameron Percy. Well, Smith, Neiman, and Varner are all under 33. Varner's the eldest one the former East Carolina Pirate. But with the President's Cup looming, international team captain Trevor Immelman has been thrusted into this position now, losing two of his eight automatic qualifiers and a stable of his fellow countrymen going to live. His task is to try to defeat a heavily favored United States team. Much more difficult now. But in the grand scheme, I don't care. I want the U.S. to win. But in the grand scheme of it all, the, the lack of allegiance, especially <clears throat> from the international players to the PGA Tour, looks like that's what live golf is going to be resting on. You know, It's like, what do you care about what's going on in America? You can stay over on this side of the pond. Well, not always. They have live <laughs> events in America. But it's just money. And like I said, material changes has been made to the PGA Tour, and I think a lot more bigger changes are coming. But zero visits to South America, zero visits to Africa, zero visits to Australia in over 20 years. And it's just conceivable that those people outside of the United States just don't look at the PGA Tour in the same light. That Americans do, not unless you're a, a person who wins majors like Rory McIlroy knows, even though he's from Northern Ireland because he wins stuff. And so he does buy in. But you talk about spreading the religion. The reason that it was 2001 since the PGA Tour went outside of – uh. America or Europe, I'm going to say zero visits since 2001 to South America, Africa, Australia, because they didn't need to spread the religion. They had a monopoly on it. And usually when you have competition, that's a good thing. But right now it doesn't feel like it because live golf isn't competition. It's a completely different thing. You're going to make your money whether you win or not. You'll make more if you win, but you're already getting paid through the teeth. So we'll see how much, you know, it's just like a guy when he gets a contract, you know, does he play harder or now that he's got his money, is he a giant lazy dog? You know, that's the thing to try to figure it out. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Rory McElroy, record third FedEx Cup, very deserved as well. Congratulations to him. All right. When we come back, it'll be 940. It'll be time to check in a little sailing with Karen Lyle. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
15: Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk. The 37th America's Cup is already beginning the design race where each team tries to build a faster boat within the rules and they try to keep their boat designs a secret from the other teams. With secrets come spies. For the 37th America's Cup, the spies are now official. One spy boat, called a recon boat, is assigned to each team, and the moment the boat comes out of the shed, the spies take photos and videos and share it with all the other teams. Spying is a part of the game, but now it's officially organized by the race rules. Spies sharing with all the teams should make for an interesting twist to this fascinating race that is all about boat design. It is a technology game as much as it is about the skill of the pro sailors. Each team is allowed to build two boats within the box rule, and then the teams go into hiding to design, build, and engineer the boat. This takes about 10 months. And the spies' job is to wait outside and catch glimpses of what goes in and out of the private spaces that the boats are being built in because maybe something one team is doing will influence the other team's designers if they learn about it soon enough. The boats are built with carbon fiber composite and are right up there with aerospace technology in terms of techniques, safety factors, electronics, and software that are used. The 37th America's Cup teams are building very complex and sophisticated sailing machines. This has been a Salesport Talk Spotlight. This is Karen Lyle with a Salesport Talk Historical Spotlight. On July 16, 1881, Ida Lewis was awarded the rare Gold Life Saving Medal from the United States government, the first woman to receive it. The citation for the Gold Life Saving Medal said, Rescuing from drowning at various times at least 13 persons and particularly for the rescue of two soldiers who had broken through the ice near Lime Rock on the afternoon of February 4, 1881. During her lifetime, Lewis was called the bravest woman in America, and her exploits were detailed in the national press. She met President Ulysses S. Grant, General William T. Sherman, and Admiral George Dewey. Members of the women's suffrage movement, including Elizabeth Cady Stanton, used Ida Lewis as an example of the inherent strength of women. At least two pieces of music were named for her, the Ida Lewis Waltz and the Rescue Polka Mazurka. Ida Lewis hats and scarves were sold. In 1924... The Rhode Island Legislature officially changed the name of Lime Rock to Ida Lewis Rock. The Lighthouse Service changed the name of Lime Rock Lighthouse to the Ida Lewis Rock Lighthouse, the only such honor ever paid to a keeper in the United States. It is now the clubhouse of the Ida Lewis Yacht Club. The burgee of the Ida Lewis Yacht Club features a lighthouse with 18 stars representing the 18 people rescued by Ida Lewis. This is Karen Lyle with a Salesport Talk historical spotlight.
3: All right. Thank you for that, Christopher. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's 940 on a Tuesday. This is when we check in with our friends at Salesporttalk.com, specifically co-hosting this segment. Karen Lyle. How are we doing, Karen?
16: Well, we are doing just fine. How are, how are we doing, Rick?
3: Not too bad. Let's bring in our guest. It's Navy Lieutenant Mitchell Campisti. He is here to talk about competing in the Shields Class Sailing Nationals hosted by the Ida-Lewis Yacht Club, Newport, Rhode Island, September 6th through 10th. Lieutenant, welcome to the show. My father was a lieutenant commander. He went through OCS at Newport, Rhode Island in the 50s. It's a great Navy town, isn't it?
17: Yeah, I know. It's a great Navy town, um, and I, I'm glad to be back on the show.
16: Well, Mitch, it's really good to hear from you, and last time we talked to you, you were in Monterey, just graduating yeah. from the Monterey Post Naval Academy, and of course, part of the, the Commodore of the sailing program there and the, and the Yacht Club, what is, what is the official name of that um, Yacht Club?
17: Uh, so it's the Naval Post Graduate School Foundation Yacht Club. Uh, the Naval Post Graduate School Foundation is uh, sort of a, like an alumni um, association, uh, for Naval Postgraduate Graduate School. So, uh, so we call ourselves, it's a mouthful, it's NPSFYC. <laughs> you
16: know, well, and Mitch, you, you are going to be competing with members of that club in the Ida Lewis, um, Yacht Club race, shield race is coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the race coming up in your boat?
17: Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, last year, um, oh, that was our first Nationals, um, 2021. Uh, it was myself, uh, Lieutenant Molly Robertson. Um, it was uh, Dean Professor uh, Ron Giacchetti, uh, and it was Jared Valeski, uh, and then uh, Lieutenant Anthony Seda. And uh, now uh, it's going to be uh, myself, uh, Lieutenant Anthony Seda, uh, Ron Ord, uh, John Erard, and Doug Hancher. Uh, versus our old teammates um, from last year. So uh, Molly, uh, Ron Giacchetti, Jared—they're uh, all going to be on the team for NPS. And uh, new, uh, new guys: uh, Captain Cullen Martin and Ryan Moore. They're going to be uh, joining NPS, and uh, we're happy to receive them as they uh, come and compete with us this year. Uh, so, so Ron, uh, Ron Ord um, was—he was on uh, Hawk 245. Uh, skipper by Peter Siegel uh, last year, and uh, during during our final uh, banquet, uh, he met us and uh, and he found out that we were you know coming from NPS right to right to his doorstep, and uh, recruited myself and uh, Tony Seda to come race with him. So so now we're on uh, on his team and competing against uh, our old team.
3: I, I see in the notes that you got your masters in astro engineering and sports that's where you bang on a garbage can so you know if it's a fastball or a breaking <laughs> ball what what to you what is astro engineering
17: so uh the, the unofficial term uh, that we would that we would say is rocket science but there's really no such thing as rocket science there's a lot of different respects so uh, the actual term is uh, space systems engineering and uh, I have a specialty in uh, spacecraft dynamic optimization so it's uh, it's a lot of cool space stuff at the end of the day.
3: Do they want you with Space Force, or are you going to stay with the Navy?
17: <laughs> no, it, it, uh, it's a completely different thing. Uh, I intend to, to stay with the Navy for the rest of my career. I have no intention to cross over, and uh, they they weren't pushing anybody to cross over anyway.
16: <laughs> well, I think usually the Navy wants to keep their own. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Now, you are taking um, a class. Last night when we, when we chatted, you were taking an evening class on ship handling, but you've also written a book about ship handling. Can you tell us about that?
17: Yeah, so, uh, so I'm in department head school right now, so I'll be the operations officer on USS Mason coming here uh, next year. Um, that's a destroyer. And uh, at, at night, we have to do ship handling training uh, from 6 to 10 p.m. So, uh, so we got our department head school, and then we got ship handling as well. Um, uh, and the, the, well, it was a, it was an article that I wrote, uh, for, uh, for Naval Magazine, um, that basically is, is, uh, uh spoken towards uh, junior ship handlers that, uh, just give them a little bit of, uh, like things that you don't really learn in school. We can't really read in the book, just kind of like. Uh, experiential things that I've, that I've seen out there and just stuff to kind of give them a head start.
3: What would be the one thing when you get out there on the water that you have to be uh, wary of as far as competition goes, because I know you're probably so concentrated on your own craft and you kind of think if I take care of my business, it won't matter. But what about the competition?
17: I assume you're talking about sailing, not yeah, uh, sailing. (laughs) Yeah. We're getting back
3: into the uh, sailing now.
17: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, so one, I gotta beat NPS. That's 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 number one for me. Uh, but uh, now for the rest for the rest of uh, for the rest of the boat, uh, we're just uh, focused on um, you know uh, getting out there early and really seeing what the deal is going on with the winds and the currents. Um, in uh, around here in Newport, it's very current driven, uh, unlike Monterey Bay. Uh, so so we're, we're focused on looking at the currents and, uh, and really looking at the, the, the winds on the starting line to really give us uh, a look at, you know, where to, where to head to, where you know, where we're going to be on the course. Uh, that really tends to dictate who, who wins and who loses. Uh, guys that go far left, guys that go far right, you know, one of them is, is correct. And uh, it, 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 that is very dictated by the winds and the currents uh, out here.
16: Here in the San Francisco Bay, when there's a current change, as there was in the CLGP race, we had um, usually the the strategy or tactics uh, have to take into consideration where the winds build up around those current changes. Is that similar in Rhode Island?
17: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a mixture of the two. So you know, first you start with the currents because um, that's that's you know, it's on a it's on a uh, astronomical schedule. Uh, if you will, uh, so so you know we we know that uh, when when the race is uh, about to start, so um, so you start with that, and then uh, and then you see where the winds are, and then you see how they are, and how they're gonna you know carry you forward. Um, so it, it is a very big mixture of both, but you're primarily focused on the the one very very controllable thing that is the uh, that's the the currents and whether they're going to be a big effect for that race or not.
3: Can you like throw up a drone for for recon, or is it all just line of sight?
17: <laughs> um well a drone uh would probably not help at all uh in terms of that uh line of sight yeah so you can see the you, you know we we know the currents and then you can uh you can actually see the currents coming off the buoys so so you know you, you know you know the currents on, on the on the chart but then you can kind of verify them and really see how much they're affecting based off of uh the buoys around and how they're pushing the buoys and what direction they're pushing buoys in Um, but, and then, and then you can see the wind off the water. I'm terrible at seeing the wind off the water. Uh, so, so most of the time when, uh, when my crew members are, you know, tell talking about winds, I have no idea what they're looking at. I just, uh,
16: I just take their word for it. (laughs) Well, I think on those winds, sometimes the darkness of the water, um, coming towards you or the the bubbles in the water, but I, I'm, I'm mostly familiar with doing that kind of wind reading on the bay. I'm not I'm not as familiar with the, the Rhode Island um location. Um tell tell me well um over by Ida Lewis. Um tell me though, there is something that you have come, that you did recently that is totally off this um topic of sailing. You were a professional bull rider and I'm just <laughs> I'm just so curious as how you what you did with that and why. <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> uh, it was your no, dad. <laughs> um, oh yeah. <laughs>
17: Well, well. Uh, so that was a thing, yeah. Um, uh, a couple years ago, when I was an incident at JG, uh, I was in uh, uh, professional bull riding, uh, PBR. I don't know if you've probably seen it on TV or not. I was in the I was in the middle tier of the three tiers. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know that there's multiple tiers of that. Um, and uh, yeah, no, but it was it was super exciting always to, to go travel and and to uh, compete against you know big name guys. I, I was. I was essentially not, you know, not a well, not a known guy, but uh, I would ride against, uh, you know, guys that are millionaires that do it, and they're very nice and very helpful and very inclusive, and uh, you know, got to be a celebrity for a day, uh, and then uh, you know, I'd hang up my hat and and go back to my normal life, but that was, yeah, it was a it was a fun time.
3: <laughs> I've been to a couple of those PBR events, and uh, I'm always surprised at how many Brazilians are out there. I mean, it's just uh, those guys are good riders, huh?
17: Yeah, it's it's very PBR is very, uh, it's it's very much Brazilians, Americans, and Canadians. Uh, there, there's there's others, but it, it's very much that they're really into it, and they have really good riders, and uh, and they they have held a lot of great titles for PBR.
16: Yeah, two of, two of the guests on uh, um, on our boat when we were in the BVI this last uh, July were had run, met each other running with the bulls. And um, yeah. that's, you know, that's a little bit different um, different activity than what you were doing riding the bull. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, Pamplona. Yeah,
16: <laughs>
17: yeah. It's, it's a lot, it's a very, very different thing. Um, uh, you know, the, the the bulls in bull riding are, are very trained to do what they do. They're not angry, they're not, you know, they're actually treated, treated very well and there's a lot of protections for them. Um, they, they, they're trained to do their job and then, then they go back and eat some hay. Um, they the the running with the bulls is like uh, some completely different thing. You wouldn't catch me doing that.
16: <laughs> I don't think me either. Yeah. <laughs> not after I heard about it. <laughs> yeah,
3: you got to go to Pamplona for that. So let's let's make this interview um, just about bull riding. Now one more question. Um, there was uh, I remember um, they called the the bulls athletes, which I thought was interesting. But what what was your record? Uh, what was your time record for staying on top?
17: oh i i i i was in p b r for a short time and i never successfully wrote a bull uh in for eight seconds of p b r uh it was tough it was tough there um just you know i was i was just happy to be there um just coming from coming from nothing and uh and competing with guys that you know grew up doing it um that was that was a cool thing for me i was i was never able to get an eight second ride um <laughs> so you know sorry to sorry to ruin that one but but uh yeah it was a, it, All right. I, was, I was a little less experienced than my
11: than my competitors
3: last qu- <laughs> last question what do you Sharon? what what can you take from getting on a big old bowl and then translate that to the open water what what's what's the commonality if there is one
12: well
17: uh, sailing as you guys probably know is is not a leisure sport it is uh it can be tough sometimes you got you got Strong winds, uh, you know, waves, and you're getting crushed, and you're cold, and, and it's just beating you crap, and, and you can get it, and you, especially on shields because they're not very comfortable. You can get pretty injured. Um, just uh, you know, you got to finish the race, and uh, and and that that's the translatable thing right there is just uh, is just getting beat up and just putting that aside and finishing the race.
3: And then finally, when you report to the USS Mason, uh, operations officer, are you going to be in combat control or are you going to be up on the bridge on the con? Do you know what you're going to be doing?
17: Yeah. So, so, uh, first and second tour division officers typically drive the ship. Um, the, the department heads are typically the tactical action officers down in combat. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess for you know a, a really quick synopsis, I don't know, you know, shooting missiles and tracking, you know, air and surface targets, and and, uh, and reporting off ships uh, to you know communicating with the with the strike group and things like that. Um, that's that's what you're doing as a department head mostly. So we still need to learn. So we still need to to keep our proficiency in driving driving ships, but we're not primarily doing that. We leave that toward, uh, to more of the, uh, the 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 junior division officers.
3: It's a destroyer. Just keep your finger off the phalanx unless you need it, all right? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the whole idea. <laughs> Navy Lieutenant Mitchell Campisti going to be completing, competing in the Shields Class Sailing Nationals hosted by the Ida Lewis Yacht Club, Newport, Rhode Island, September 6th through 10th. Lieutenant, man, thanks for uh, keeping us safe and our allies safe, and good luck in the race.
17: <laughs> Yeah, thank you Thanks guys. So it's always much. good to talk to you guys. Always good to be on the show. Thank
3: all you. All right, good stuff. And uh, Karen, yeah, very interesting. Thanks for the guest.
16: Oh, you're welcome. It's easy. We we met actually through um, through the um, um, the airport livery uh, reveal that I went to down in Los Angeles. So it was pretty cool.
3: All right, we'll talk next week.
16: Sounds good. We'll uh, see you then. All
3: right, I'm Rick Tuttle. Come on back.
7: 800-754-4531.
14: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: All right. Thank you for that. If you're wondering when I said keep your finger off the phalanx to uh, Lieutenant Kempitsky, you actually don't have your finger on the phalanx. It's radar guided. If you don't know what it is, it's on every one of our surface uh, ships, combat ships. Some people call it R2-D2. It's basically a Gatling gun with these 20-millimeter uh, Vulcan cannons in it. And these are like tungsten sabos. And what it is, is to keep an exo set, or the, you can't shoot down a missile coming at you. And so surface to air, air to ground, whatever. And so the radar takes over and it shoots the missile out of the sky. It can actually shoot a boat or a plane too, if it gets too close, but it doesn't differentiate friend or foe it's just if something's coming at the ship it just turns on and it knocks it out of the sky it's an amazing invention it really is the phalanx taken from the romans when they would get their cohorts together well we'll go over that a different time all right we have another two hours together we'll talk about other onboard. board we'll go to the harpoon missile next i'm rick tittle come on back on sports byline
12: Starting flying, From the outside USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
19: Now that a senior FBI agent has lost his job because of an FBI whistleblower, The implications the FBI may have influenced a presidential election should concern every American, both sides of the aisle. FBI Director Christopher Wray on the agent's actions under his watch.
7: I I should say that when I read the letter that describes
1: the kinds of things that you're talking about, um, I found it deeply troubling.
19: California lawmakers on Monday approved a measure that would give more than a half million fast food workers more power and protections over the objections of restaurant owners who warn it would drive up consumers' costs. The bill will create a new 10-member fast food council empowered to set a minimum standard for wages, hours, and working conditions in California. USA Radio News.
9: We are excited to introduce our newest advertiser, Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Now I can already hear many of you wincing or crossing your legs, but we've all been trimming and then ouchie, wow! That's why over 6 million men worldwide already trust Manscaped. And now, Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 has arrived. First, you get the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the greatest down-there trimmer ever and features a cutting-edge ceramic- Blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's waterproof and has an LED spotlight for a more precise shave. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Get with the program and take your grooming to the next level. Get your Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 and take 20% off and get free shipping with the code USA Radio at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code USA Radio. All
19: eyes are on Ukraine's counteroffensive in the south of the country, with one of the country's officials saying progress has been made. A spokesman for Ukraine's southern military said Monday that Russian troops were retreating from some areas where Ukraine has launched a counteroffensive. A drug used in a dentist's office is also found in canned whipping cream.
20: If you're planning to buy a can of whipped cream in New York State, make sure to have ID with you. A little-known law passed by the state legislature last October is now getting noticed now that stores are enforcing it, limiting sales of the dessert topping to those who are at least 21 years old. The goal is to curb possible abuse of nitrous oxide among teens, commonly known as laughing gas, The nitrous oxide in whipped cream canisters is referred to as whippets. For his part, State Senator Joseph Adabo, who sponsored the law, says the target is the cartridges within the cans that contain the gas, not the whole can of whipped cream.
19: That's Ken Burns reporting, and we are USA Radio News.
6: If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare,
12: Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list.
6: Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Turn your book idea into publishing gold.
1: 800-215-6818. 800-215-6818. That's 800-215-6818
19: a ex intel officer and msnbc talking head who falsely claim hunter biden's laptop could be russian disinformation has been appointed to a white house board that offers the president national intelligence advice his name is jeremy bash despite signing on to a letter and lying along with 50 other former intelligence officers about the biden laptop as the fbi and the department of justice has been hating on president trump for years Selective leaks to the FBI's media friends, usually considered illegal, is now normal. The credibility of the judicial branch of government is very low in American eyes. So says Republican Representative Michael Waltz from Florida on Newsmax.
21: America deserves transparency here. No president has ever been treated this way. No president has ever had their home raided over a document uh, dispute. Uh, and I certainly hope the judge moves forward with a special master because public confidence uh, in the, this DOJ, public confidence in the FBI, after they have been just pounding away and hunting after this president for years, uh, you know, public confidence is shot. So we do need to get a third party in there uh, to make sure this isn't a, yet another fishing expedition
19: NASA's scrubbed Artemis 1 moon launch may try again on Friday. Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces. American Forces Radio Network. Is that the... uh... Well, I I know that's not it because I just made it up. (laughs) I was just going to say, is that... that, 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 1-800-878-PLAY. I saw an article that, you know, sometimes we get a little bit ahead of ourselves with drafts and such things like as soon as we'll have the draft or as soon as we'll have like let's say the Heisman Trophy they'll be like let's take a look at the favorites for the next Heisman Trophy and you're like "Eh, I can't take a look but I saw something the other day and I was just like come on man come on and that was looking at March Madness brackets and I'm like are you kidding me that they actually went through the entire bracketology and they're like, and then this mid-major will make it. And then this would mid, I'm like, do you know what that is? Do You know what it's going to happen? It's going to happen in March. But by the way, if you're interested, (laughs) the top four seeds, Gonzaga, Houston, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Those are your number one seeds. And something, I guess, we, we need to know and we already know. All right. Um, coming up uh, this hour, right after break, we will have the musical duo, duo, duo of uh, Haley and uh, Michaels. After that, we'll have David James, a comedian at uh, Cap City that's in Austin, Texas. And then we'll have comedian Kathleen Madigan, comedian following a uh, comedian. And um, that's pretty cool. So I, I, I need a few laughs, especially I need somebody else to talk. If you haven't noticed, my voice is going downhill. 1-800-878-PLAY. Tune in app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app, Twitch.tv. Hey, how you doing? My camera right in front of my face with my... I guess these reading glasses are blue. I didn't realize it. I guess I need to run an art gallery if I have blue glasses. And the Twitter's at Rick Tittle. Come on back!
1: That's 800-943-2153.
22: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How would you like to learn the secrets to lose three to five pounds a week easily without joining the gym or going through any crazy diets? It's called Body Sculpt by Med Diet. For the last two decades, we've been helping people just like you that have pounds they want to shed. We've helped millions of people lose thousands and thousands of pounds over the years. And now, it's your turn. Learn the secrets of how to lose weight with one simple phone call. You'll see an amazing difference in a matter of days. Don't believe us. We'll offer you a money-back guarantee. If you're ready to start losing weight right now, call right now to learn more about your risk-free order to Body Sculpt.
1: Call for your risk-free offer. 800-738-5332 800-738-5332 800-738-5332 That's 800-738-5332
6: Now there are even more reasons to switch to Verizon, the network America relies on. For real? Yep, for real. Turn in your old phone and get the new Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 4 free with select 5G unlimited plans. Definitely switching. Totally. Everybody's switching to the network America relies on. Verizon. Verizon. 5G ultra wideband available in select areas. 999.99 dollars 99 device payment purchase with new smartphone line on select 5G unlimited plans required. $200 Verizon e gift card with porting. Less $800 trade in/slash promo credit applied over 36 months. 0% APR. Trading conditions apply.
3: All right, thank you for that. We were just listening to the uh, uplifting new anthem, Peace, Joy, Love, which was released last week in honor of Ukrainians' Independence Day. And that's because musical artists Jim Brickman, Matt and Savannah Shaw, and our guest Haley and Michaels, they joined the Ukrainian chorus of New York to release this song. Let's start uh, with you, Haley. Um, How did this all come together? Because this truly is a collaborative effort.
23: It it really is. And and thank you so much for having us and for playing the song. Um, This has just been such an incredible project, start to finish, for us. Um, As you said, such a collaborative effort. It started, um, the song just kind of came as, as an idea felt like it dropped out of the sky, and it's interesting, you know, when writing it, um, it felt like it was important and had a purpose that we never could have imagined that it would have turned into what it did um, with, as you said, so many artists and especially getting to um, be involved with um, the Ukrainian chorus, Dunka, and to be a part of such an important message for them.
3: First of all, and Michaels, welcome to the show, it's it's always, um, they say, don't work with friends and family, so when you're collaborating with the love of your life, um, on the one hand, that's an amazing thing because you're never really working, but on the other hand, you can get a little cabin fever, we're all human, so what's it like when when when, when you work with your wife?
24: Well, in this case, you know, and thank, thank you again for having us. It's a pleasure to speak with you. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, this, this song is a, is a good example of how everything works. You know, as, as artists, of course, you know, when, when things happen in the world, like what's happening in Ukraine, you know, you want to use your platform, however big or small, to, to do something. And so in this case, um, the original song idea kind of came to Shannon one day and she brought it to me and then we brought it to Jim and Matt and Savannah. Um, and so it was a good example. I was very happy with her for that. And, and so it <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it was something that Shannon and I have always been very united about is, is using our voice to uplift people and try and make a difference. And so this has been something that's been really honestly fulfilling and, and rewarding for us um, and, and appreciate, you know, uh, stations like yourself for, suppo- for su- supporting the message. Um, so th- things have been great. I mean, now, with that said, when we have a song that isn't about peace, joy, and love, Maybe it's a breakup song or whatever else i mean I, I don't I'm probably very difficult to work with, so i I, I can't fully answer for shannon on that.
3: <laughs> well, Haley, the other thing is too when when you get together to make uh music, everybody has their own little spice that they they want to throw in uh, so uh, who decided was that was there one chef or did you all have to take a vote? How did you get it written <laughs>
23: um you're so right everybody has their own flavor their own spice um this was kind of just like the whole project really collaborative um as ryan said i think he was going for a run one day and i was sitting on the living room floor with our with our then one-year-old and the song just kind of poured into my mind um the whole chorus and um Then I, I just didn't want to mess it up. So I called Ryan (laughs) and, and saying it to him over the phone. And then we ended up, um, at that point, you know, working on it a little bit and we had the bones of the idea. And then when we, um, got into the room with Matt and Savannah and Jim, um, everybody brought their own flavor, as you said, and it really shaped in that writing session.
3: And also, you know, I think about getting together with uh, a choir, and um, you know like I think about foreigner you know I'm, i I want to know what love is, and then the choir comes in I mean it's a powerful tool, but also something michael's that you don't usually work with, so what was that like to to incorporate that?
24: yeah, that's a really good a good point and a great question. Um, you know that a lot of this project for me as as producing it was inspired by um, seeing the Ukrainian chorus Dumka on Saturday Night Live, um, and just being so moved by how how the the power of music and what it's able to do um, in times like these, and and so um, we connected with them, and uh, and the conductor Vassil, um, who has become a dear friend, um, wrote the most beautiful arrangement. Um, the truth is, he sent me this this incredibly professional, you know. Uh, Thing, and and I don't actually read music, so I <laughs> I just I was like, wow, this is beautiful. And I had to go to somebody else um, to kind of show me what it was. And then I did a, a Zoom with Vasil, and he was singing the part. Um, so you know, the whole choir thing for me as a musician um, with with more of a rock background and a bit of an untrained ear um, I just had to kind of have faith, honestly, that if the conductor of the Ukrainian chor- uh, chorus Dymka had taken all the time to write this, that it was just the right thing. And so with that said, I flew out to New York, and, and I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to sound like. <laughs> and so as soon as they started singing, um, it was just so powerful and so moving. And, of course, when, when the children's choir came in, um, just a whole other layer of emotion. So honestly, a lot of it was just very spiritual and just just in good faith. Um, but, but the process of working with them was unbelievable and, um, and just, just a, a journey of a lifetime.
3: I know, I've been calling you guys by your surnames because of the just that's how you're known. But we're speaking with Sh- uh, Shannon Haley and Ryan Michaels. Um, Shannon, what would be the the one thing that that you're most proud about this song? I mean, is it just the cause? Is it the music? Is it the lyrics? Is is it the uh, collaboration? What would it be?
23: Um, you know, I think there's just a really specific moment that comes to mind, which is. When we were recording the, making the music video at the Ukrainian Institute of America in New York, and I was um, standing out in front of the Institute and watching the whole choir sing um, the adult choir, the the Ukrainian chorus Dumka, and then the children's choir together. And I think that moment truly is the most, the, the moment I'm most proud of because I was really able to just observe that this song. Um, which started as just a small, you know, idea that, you know, like all songs do, and you, you don't really ever know what's going to happen with one of those ideas. But to be able to see people who are, um, Ukrainian be able to sing these, these words was just so powerful for me to get to see the the difference that it could make, even just, if, if nothing more ever happened than just watching them and, and experiencing them sing this song, um, that would have been, you know, all I ever needed or could have asked for. So I'm really proud that this song was able to be help them put a message out into the world that felt comforting um, to them.
3: Very cool. Last question for you, Ryan. And I know people probably think you guys are a Nashville couple, but you got California roots. You got married in the Bay Area, right?
24: We did, yes. So we actually grew up three miles apart in uh, in the Bay Area um and when when we met um i was in nashville but shannon was actually out in uh, living in sherman oaks out in la um and so you know we've we've been in nashville for a long time and i think the thing that drew us here um wasn't wasn't r- particularly country music as much as the songwriting community itself because we're both songwriters at heart so this is a i think a really good example of a song that isn't a country record um but but was you know written in nashville um, so that that's how we ended up here, but but yes, absolutely, we're we're uh, we're Californians and, and, and proud of it, and but also, also really enjoyed our time here in Nashville.
3: So Shannon, if I hear a twang, it's fake, huh? <laughs>
23: Exactly. Yeah, Ryan took on his twang, yeah, and we're, we're exactly, We, we I mean, we, we love the Titans, and we root for it, but we're, you know, we're Bay Area sports people at heart, that's
3: for sure. All right, that's uh, Haley and Michaels, and they have joined with their friends Jim Brickman, Matt and Savannah Shaw, and uh, the Ukrainian chorus Dumka of New York to release the new song, Peace, Joy, Love, in honor of Ukrainian Independence Day. Uh, hey, you two, congratulations on the song, thanks for uh, stopping by and talking about it.
24: Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, and thank you for your support.
3: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We will come on back on Sports Byline with some comedy. Uh, i joined the army because my father and my brother were in the army i thought
1: i'd better join before i got drafted son uh, there ain't no draft no
6: more there was one
14: tittle always goes commando
3: i gotta do what i gotta do welcome back to the show rick tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the american forces radio network coming up on september 2nd at eight o'clock at the red room at cap city that's the comedy club right there in downtown austin will be david james and uh, we're happy to have him on the uh, horn right now david welcome to the uh, program rick tittle with you and um You know, Austin has really changed uh, over the years. It's almost like it's its own metropolis right now. And people say, oh, now it's California with traffic and homeless people. And (laughs) how do you find Austin these days personally?
25: Um, I haven't been to Austin in a little while. I actually live in Philadelphia.
3: This
25: will be my first time coming back to Austin in probably like five years.
3: I love Philly. Uh, I love the Helium Club there as well. I, lo- I just love the whole vibe of, uh, of Philly. What, what do you think it's like when you think about those great comedians, not just the Kevin Hart's and the Cosby's and the David Branders, but like the big Jay Okersons and all that? I mean, there's a lot of comedians coming out of there.
25: Well, Philly, is a, it's, a, it's a tough city, so I think everybody who kind of starts here from here uh, kind of has a leg up as far as the comedy world, because um, it's just like a very funny place to, to kind of grow up and start comedy. And, uh, you know, it's not a sensitive place either. So there's like a particular style from people that come from Philly where they're not really like, uh, as far as like um, cookie-cutter comedians.
3: How many times have you been in a Wawa at 2 a.m. trying to get a hoagie or something?
25: Oh, I don't go to Wawa at 2 a.m. That's amateur hour. <laughs> no, that's, that's where the zombies are. Yeah, you don't go to Wawa. Yeah, Yeah, you're going to see someone who's just like has no pants on, you know. (laughs) You're going to see someone just like trying to eat somebody else's face instead of a hoagie. It's just a horrible place to go at 2 a.m.
3: I think I went to Jim's South Philly one time at that time, and there was still a line of people in the middle of winter trying to get a cheesesteak there.
25: Oh, yeah. Pretty much just drunks and drug addicts that are there at 2 (laughs) a.m. Any place that serves food. At 2 a.m. is just drunk and drug addict. Yeah, you don't go, as a real adult, you don't go to any of these places
3: at 2 a.m. No doubt. So for you now as a comedian, you know, it's funny because I remember like in the in the, the 90s, it was like, I love doing colleges because I can say whatever I want. And now it's the exact opposite. You know, no trans, no Holocaust. I mean, you get this like list of jokes that you can't do. And uh, what's that like to, uh, working in front of the uh, the kids these days?
25: Well, it's very disappointing because most of my material is uh, (laughs) a (laughs) trans-holocaust show.
4: Yeah, one of my upcoming
25: specials is called (laughs) Trans-Holocaust. But the... uh, Uh, You did the... uh, the, the... No, it's like, colleges are horrible, man. I used to do some probably six, seven years ago, and I just quit them because they're just, they're horrible. (laughs) Yeah, the kids are spoiled. They get sensitive, like... I said some joke about Portland uh, at this convention, uh, colleges. And this kid starts tweeting at me, which I hate Twitter. I don't even use it. But he starts tweeting at me during my set saying, don't book this guy. He's mean. Go Seahawks. <laughs> I'm like, the Seattle Seahawks? I'm, I'm like, I'm crapping on Portland on stage. And what you, what's wrong with you? Like, not, That's what these kids are nowadays.
3: Well, i just shows you yeah, how...
25: Think, uh, yeah, one kid walked out of the show because I told him to shut up because he was, he was heckling. He ran to his RA. His RA comes to me after the show and gets to my face and he's like, hey, are you bullying our kid?
3: Ugh.
25: Yeah, so it's, they're very sensitive. Like There was some guy where they stopped his show in the middle of it because they said that um, he was triggering the kids. The kid.
3: Yeah, I, I worry yeah. about, and look, I, I understand you don't want to uh, grow up getting beaten down. But on the other hand, I I do wonder sometimes about the quote unquote mental break and, and not being in a safe place. And then I realize that some of this stuff really isn't that tough at all. And I kind of worry that we're the next generation is going to be super soft.
25: Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, I would also like to announce that my, that my show this weekend is going to be Friday through Sunday, um, 8 p.m. shows that they will be big girl friendly. (laughs) There's a little bit of a recent controversy with the other comedian uh, who's going to be there this weekend who made a joke about the R&B of hip-hop artist Lizzo Mm. and her large status. And I will say that my shows will be big girl friendly. Um, (laughs) If you need two seats, we will only charge you with one. If you need to sit on two seats and lean up against the third one, we will only charge you for one seat because it's a big girl friendly show. (laughs)
3: Uh, that's not bad. Speaking with uh, David James. Uh I don't know if you heard this before, cause, uh I mean you've got a uh you know a common name, but uh David James, the uh, the soccer goalie for England, I saw him play a couple of times in, in person. Do you ever get mistaken for other David Jameses?
25: Uh no, especially soccer players, because uh we don't even believe soccer exists in America. <laughs> so Yeah.
3: All right that has never ever <laughs> happened to me. So uh so let's see, you won't do the Caitlyn at Auschwitz jokes. You, you won't you but you will and you won't do the fat girl jokes, the BBW jokes.
25: I can't promise that. I'm just saying it'll be a BBW friendly show. <laughs> yeah, they're they're all welcome. Yeah.
3: Speaking of Philly Will Smith, anybody ever try to come up on stage and slap you?
25: No, no. Most people uh they, well, I'm not a small guy,
11: mm-hmm. so
25: no one has really like, tried that with me.
11: Mm-hmm.
25: Um, I've, been, I've been yelled at, I've been cursed at, but no one's ever tried to come up on stage. That's a rare thing.
3: What about people now, because I talk to comedians, they say sometimes some woman will wait for them after the show and say, you did the autism joke, my son has autism, and he goes, you laugh for 45 minutes at everything else, but then when, it's, when it hits you, now you get offended.
25: It sounds a little bit sexist, but
3: it's always a woman.
11: <laughs> like, always the woman
25: that gets offended and has to, you know, stand up for justice for whatever cause she has. Like, I had a woman who I just mentioned the name of a town, mm-hmm. and like, she starts, she comes up towards the stage, gives me double middle fingers, and starts screaming "f you" at me. Wow! Because I mentioned the city that she's from, like I knew she was from that city. Like I have psychic powers <laughs> and know what piece of crap city she is in Pennsylvania. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, but at that moment, I was like, you know what, I'm ready to Hulk Hogan, you know, boot kicker in the middle of the stardom if she gets close. <laughs>
3: this one comedian told me, he said he just started a subject, didn't say anything wrong, and the lady was like, nope, 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 don't even start, don't even, nope, you're not allowed, you're not allowed. It's like, I'm not allowed?
25: Yeah, it's like some people, they try to, like, uh, you know, censor you, like, uh, like live, <laughs> you know, just simply, like, first of all, why are you even at a comedy show? Right. Yeah, you don't belong here. Yeah, like people like you do not belong at fun places where people can enjoy things.
3: Well, to me it's art and not and, and I don't like all art. Like I don't like modern art, but I don't want to cancel the artists and say fire them and don't make any more art just cuz I don't like it.
25: Oh, exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's another thing people trying to do. They try to the new thing is trying to cancel people. You know. And that's uh, I think that's probably more prevalent on Twitter than anywhere else. You know, like someone gets something and you didn't know who this person was. And then all of a sudden they'll start going through all your tweets or something. They'll find something from 2002. That's not, you know, a popular thing to say now. And then they'll like try to cancel the rest of your life. I That's their only job in life is to try to cancel people. Yeah,
3: I remember I had the model um, uh, Kate Upton on my show like 10 years ago, and I like tweeted, hey, she's going to be on the show, Hubba Hubba, and I thought, man, if I wrote Hubba Hubba now, my career would end.
25: Oh, yeah, yeah. You would probably get some sexual harassment charges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There'd be a heavy fine. <laughs> then there would be like a Hubba Hubba movement, like half me to <laughs> Hubba Hubba.
3: <laughs> oh, too funny. All right, so what are people in store for when they check you out at Cap City, the Red Room?
25: Uh, It's going to be a good time. Um, Also, I I grew up in Houston for about 12 years, so uh, I got a lot of personal experience with Texas, and I'm going to enjoy crapping on it when I return to Texas (laughs) this weekend.
3: What was, just real real quick, what's the worst part of Texas and the best part of Texas?
25: Um, The worst part of Texas is uh, the public school system. Mm -hmm. The best part of Texas is the Latina women, (laughs) legal and illegal. You know what I'm saying? Hubba, hubba! don't
3: be a star, hubba hubba. I think that's. Oh, or they they might say hooba hubba. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
11: know.
3: Uh, now we're both in trouble. Everybody, yeah, check out David James, the Red Room at uh, Cap City, Comedy dot com for your tickets coming up September second. Hey, thanks for coming on the show, man, and uh, good to talk. To you. If you're ever in San Francisco, come by the studio. We'd love to have you. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, no doubt, and. um the other thing I get is uh, I have two cousins who live in San Antonio, uh, not related from either side of my family. Uh, I don't even think they know each other. But anyway, they don't know each other. Why would they? Um, but uh, it's the Mexican food. That's the rave reviews I get. Is that Texas? Oh, and I just think about it. California. Arizona, New Mexico. I think if you're bordering Mexico, you probably got good Mexican food. New Hampshire, Vermont. I don't know. Come on back.
14: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: All right. What's that all about? Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's great to welcome back to the show stand-up comedian veteran Kathleen Ma- uh, Ma- uh, pff, Kathleen Madigan. Why did I say Madigan? Kathleen Madigan. She's here because she's talking about her Do You Have Ranch tour? And it's going to be uh, getting underway here in uh, Niagara Falls on uh, September 10th. Kathleen, welcome back to the show. And um, I was born in 1965, and I got a B.A. in journalism in 1988, so I wanted to ask you if we were separated at birth.
2: I think so. When's your actual birthday? What day? June 28th. Oh, you're so much older than me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yes,
2: I moved on from my journalism degree into... uh, they just put me in their Hall of Fame, too. And I don't have the I, the college I went to, and I don't have the guts to tell them. The only reason I went there is because the brochure said ample parking. <laughs> and I got so many parking tickets at the other school. I fled. <laughs> I literally I never did pay them. I just fled. I didn't have the money. I mean, I'd give you the money if I had the money, but sorry, I didn't have the money. So, <laughs> so
3: Southern Illinois, Edwardsville. So the one in Carbondale, they're the Salukis, right? And what's Edwardsville?
2: <laughs> you know... Wait, let me think. Cougars. Cougars. The only... uh, Carbondale was the fun one with the good Halloween party. uh, Edwardsville is more of a commuter deal. I did hear rumors that Jimmy Connors played tennis there for a hot minute. I don't even know that that's true. Wow. But that's all I ever... (laughs) That's all I ever heard. Like, I could drive there from St. Louis, so technically it's Illinois, but really, like... (laughs) They said to list some of your biggest challenges in school. Seriously, my biggest challenge was not hitting a deer every day. <laughs> like, I have to drive here when it's morning, it's dark out, and sure enough, God dang it, there are so many of them, you know, and then it's just kind of out in a field where there's more deer And I'm like, this shouldn't be my main thought, going to college. I can't (laughs) afford to hit a deer. But that's really what it
3: was. (laughs) Well, just as you said that, I'm looking up the uh, famous alumni. There is a guy named Robert Seguso, who I think is a little bit older than us, who is a tennis player who made it to Wimbledon. That's kind of Jimmy Connors, huh?
2: Okay, that works for me if you made it to there. Just got in without a ticket as a player. Yes, that (laughs) works. (laughs)
3: Well, and you almost got into my field as well. Didn't you work for the Blues for a while?
2: I did. I was an intern in their um, PR department, which is really the giveaway department. And I wish I could have – they didn't need any more people working there. But what a great job because all you do is – Makes people happy, like you know, they'd say, "Hey, can we get two hockey sticks signed by so and so for our church auction?" Sure, and then you just send them to hockey sticks. It was the, it was like you were Santa Claus every day, just giving people stuff and making them happy. And the hockey players were all so nice, like compared to other groups of athletes I've met, because they're like eighteen year old, you know, Canadian kids that. They're just nice. Like, they'd come in the office during the day. The Plager brothers always used to be down there, Mm -hmm. which was super fun. If you're a hockey fan, just to see the old guys, you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, that's really them. That's the real ones, and they're sitting here doing nothing but drinking. (laughs) Like,
3: (laughs) good for them. Now, do you bow down to the Cardinals like the Sklar brothers do?
2: I do. I do. Mm -hmm. I know, and everybody calls us arrogant and mean. I got really, really angry in July when they were saying St. Louis was a wild-card team. I'm like, oh, 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 no, 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 no. We have all of August. Don't you put us in the wild-card bucket. You just wait and see when we turn up the heat, and now Milwaukee is six games back, and we get to play the Reds. I watched the game last night. There there was hardly anybody at the Reds game. I felt Mm -hmm. bad for the team. Mm -hmm. And then it started raining. And we, they kind of. It was eight, eight to one. They got up eight to four, and then we went. Oh, are you really going to try hard? Then so are we. Well, (laughs) it was (laughs) twelve to four.
3: (laughs) Well, that's the thing about the Cardinals. I think, like my whole life, they're the only team that has never had a really crappy year. They're always in it. They have the most pennants uh, and World Series titles of any National League team. I love the logo with the birds on, on either side. And then I look over, I'm like, wait, how did they get Goldschmidt? How did they get Arenado? Why is their farm system better than Juan Soto? Why are they holding on to these young guys? I, it is one of the best baseball towns in America, if not the best. I'm not a Cardinals fan, but I can tell you I'm jealous.
2: I don't know what we do, but, but what I really don't understand is what are other people not doing? Like my friend Lewis Black is stuck with the Orioles. And I said, "Lewis, <laughs> who's like in charge? Like my mom? I mean, you can't be this bad this many times in a row, especially being from St. Louis. I don't understand it. Our worst seasons are still respectable. This is horrible, Lou. And he's like, I know, but you got to understand. And it's not about – I go, don't even say it's about money with the Cardinals because we're the middle. Mm -hmm. We are not the high end of of the payment scale here. We're just figuring stuff out. I don't know how they do it, but more importantly, I'd (laughs) I'd like to know how Baltimore doesn't.
3: Well, I'll say like, this: I am. I, I like people who are loyal. And as an A's fan, you know we we're, we've been trying to lose this year. But you got to you got to stay with your team, Kathleen. And also the Orioles. I don't know if you've looked lately, but they're they're a win- Yeah, they they're had a, a
2: streak there. Where yeah, they they're a winning like team. Yeah. <laughs> I send it to Lewis every day when I see it. I'm like, you're creeping back out of the cellar, Lewis. And it's like, oh, you're back down. <laughs>
3: Kathleen Madigan is with us. I don't know
2: what we do, but somehow the Cardinals always, and believe me, the people get pissed if we are not. Like, even mediocre, we're like, yeah, somebody's got to get fired. And they will.
3: Well, I still remember the football team, and I bet you had a crush on Neil Lomax, didn't you?
2: (laughs) No, I was in love with Uh, Hello? Hello? Oh, we lost you for a second. Did I I mute
3: you? Maybe you muted me. Who were you in love with? Conrad Dobler.
2: No, no. Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear Hello? you
3: now. Yes. Okay. Can Can you hear no, me?
2: No. I was in love with Dan Deardorff.
3: Oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> why? <laughs>
2: I don't know. I think because he was so personable in his interviews, and then he would just go out there and act like an animal. I know why. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. He can be a nice guy. And then he goes out there and does what you're supposed to do, and then i destroys people' people's hopes and dreams.
3: I think that you like the, the uh, Magnum P.I. stash.
2: Well, I did like his mustache, and he still had it. I, I got to know him through charity events later in life, and he still has it.
3: Mm. So, uh, <laughs> still, for,
2: still lives in St. Louis, in case anyone's wondering.
3: Biggest biggest sports star, like if you could meet, maybe you already have, but I mean, like, I, you know, Ozzie Smith, who is it? Who's your number one?
2: Well, Ozzy would have been. I have Ozzy would have been. It would be all Cardinals, mm-hmm. like Lou Brock. I got to meet once. Wow, that was probably the one of the one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're gonna go modern era, maybe Tom Brady. Mm. I'm kind of in love with Tommy. <laughs> 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 I just think like, I love too that the Tom Brady fan and they'd be like it's okay his arm still works get him out there nobody can defeat Tommy he's learned how to use the wheelchair it's fine and there's part of me that would believe that I'd be like yeah you know he's still better than Tannehill I mean come on
3: (laughs) great reference well the other thing is too you were quite the athlete and, and you were scrappy I mean you were you were let's just say it you were short weren't you
2: Still am. Nothing happened after that short period. <laughs> <I> still remain. <laughs> I remain. No, very but I mean, short. you were yeah.
3: you were like four foot five, right?
2: Well, that's when I won the Missouri Hoop Shoot Championship for girls age whatever, ten to twelve. Mm-hmm. But I did shoot them all underhanded, mm-hmm. and I'm not not embarrassed by that. That's why I kept all those years of Shaq missing free throws. I'm like, <laughs> what is the shame in underhand? There was a professional guy that did that. Rick I don't, Barry,
3: he's from yeah. out here, yeah. Yeah. He shot 99% that way.
2: You can't argue it. Mm -mm. I mean, yeah, but then I quit. I quit all sports except golf because I was too short. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I would show up for, like, volleyball. People were like 5'9". I'm 5'1". I'm like, this is just, I'm not a good enough athlete to overcome the fact that I stopped growing and everyone else Mm -hmm. is still growing.
3: Well, I know if it
2: doesn't matter.
3: I know with CYO, though, they threw you in volleyball, and they told you to set and dig, didn't you?
2: Oh, most (laughs) of the time, well, I quit volleyball, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did it for, like, a year. I also thought it hurt. Like, every time the ball would hit me, I'm like, ugh, I don't... (laughs) Guess what's not gonna happen in golf? I'm not gonna get hit with a ball.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um,
2: I remember It was never my thing.
3: Last time you were on the show we were talking about your farm. How are you any uh new livestock updates?
2: Um not really new live well, here's the crazy thing. Four cats were born under my air conditioner event during COVID. Wow. And then I started calling around to try to give them away, like to a, a place, that a, a no kill shelter. I was hoping.
11: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, no one cares. One lady goes, Ma'am, there are over 84,562 stray cats in Davidson County. Do you think we care about four more? <laughs> Click. <laughs> I was like, Shoo, okie dokie. Wow, that's I'm better eating. than
3: the, she's got a cat census,
2: huh? <laughs> I'm like, that's really specific, too. How do you know 562 or whatever the last yeah, three numbers of that were? I know, full respect. Um, no, it's just the regular, the fox, the deer, the whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, you, nothing nothing exciting and new on the farm. No, I did, however, go to Canada this summer and saw a moose in a creek bed. It was the freakiest thing ever. Oh, I
3: saw you tweet that, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was,
2: that was uh, up in Banff, their national park. And that was just, I mean, he was so, so, so big. I've seen other moose not as big as that guy. That was like grandpa 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 moose. Um no, but there's nothing else new and exciting on the farm. None of the mess heads have stopped by lately. So that's good. That's a good day when the mess people don't come down the road, the gravel road. That's a good
3: day. Uh, all right, let's talk about Do You Have Ranch Tour presented by Sirius XM. What are people going to see on this tour?
2: Um well, uh, probably a lot of new stuff cuz after COVID I went and did all the makeup dates, so I hadn't been to any new new cities after that because mm-hmm. it was all makeup. It's just a lot of jokes about what I did and didn't, mostly didn't do during COVID that I thought I would do. But I did teach myself how to gamble on my phone <laughs> with DraftKings and FanDuel and MGM. <laughs> Problem is, when I learned there were no sports on except sports I know nothing about,
11: mm-hmm.
2: like there'd be a cricket match in Mumbai. <laughs> I'm like, well. There's only two teams. I have a 50-50 chance. And then, so it's a lot about that. Just the same stuff I always talk about. The road, my family, nothing's really too, not the same jokes, but kind of the same topics.
3: The other day I was listening to uh, Joe List on his podcast, and he was talking about how hilarious you are. I mean, you just you you just keep rolling out new stuff. It's always good. Kathleen Madigan, check it out. KathleenMadigan.com, the Do You Have Ranch Tour begins Niagara Falls, Ontario, on the tenth of September, sixteenth in Dallas, seventeenth in Austin, and uh, she'll just keep on rolling. You come through the Bay Area, Kathleen. We'd we'd love to have you in studio sometime.
2: Okay, I would like to do that. That'd be fun. All right, I'll come and uh, bring a picture of the World Series trophy we're about to win.
3: (laughs) Don't jinx it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's no jinxing the Cardinals. You can say whatever you want. They don't care. They don't hear you. And that's true.
3: They do win no matter what. It makes me mad. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Kathleen. All right, see you later. All Bye. right, I'm Rick Tittle. Get on back Tell me? Who's
1: Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
12: I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. If you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008, pay close attention to this message.
1: that's 800-817-2968. What kind of music do you usually
4: have here?
14: Oh, we got both kinds, we got country and western. tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night now back to fat boy
3: see that hurts my feelings uh as well but welcome back to the show there are reports from adrian Woznirowski and uh rj barrett's agent bill duffy who's a bay area guy who i met lives out in uh san ramon um That R.J. Barrett is going to sign a four-year extension worth $120 million, and people say, oh, this is going to complicate his trade to the Jazz for Donovan Mitchell. But actually, maybe it doesn't complicate it. Maybe what it does is it says he's not on the table. This is the first New York draft pick to sign a multi-year contract extension since Charlie Ward in 1999. Good gosh. But at some point, you got to build around somebody. Now Barrett's extension does not restrict him from being traded, because there is a quirk in it; he can still get traded. But as far as incoming salary for Utah now, the cap figure is higher. But you know, it's—I uh, think this is smart by the Knicks. And what a streak it was, man! I mean, they drafted Porzingis and David Lee, who were all stars, and guys like Gallinari, Chandler, Shumpert, Fry—they all never got extended. They all got the hell out. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we will come on back. We got another hour here, right here on Sports by <clears throat>
12: USA radio
6: news with Lance Pryde
19: now that a senior FBI agent has lost his job because of an FBI whistleblower the implications the FBI may have influenced a presidential election should concern every American both sides of the aisle FBI director Christopher Wray on the agents actions under his watch
7: I, I should say that when I read the letter that describes
1: the kinds of things that you're talking about um, I found it deeply
6: troubling.
19: California lawmakers on Monday approved a measure that would give more than a half million fast food workers more power and protections over the objections of restaurant owners who warn it would drive up consumers' costs. The bill will create a new 10-member fast food council empowered to set a minimum standard for wages, hours, and working conditions in California. USA Radio News.
9: We are excited to introduce our newest advertiser, Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Now I can already hear many of you wincing or crossing your legs, but we've all been trimming and then ouchie, wow! That's why over 6 million men worldwide already trust Manscaped. And now, Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 has arrived. First you get the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the greatest down-there trimmer ever and features a cutting-edge ceramic Blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's waterproof and has an LED spotlight for a more precise shave. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Get with the program and take your grooming to the next level. Get your Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 and take 20% off and get free shipping with the code USA Radio at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code USA Radio. All
19: eyes are on Ukraine's counteroffensive in the south of the country, with one of the country's officials saying progress has been made. A spokesman for Ukraine's southern military said Monday that Russian troops were retreating from some areas where Ukraine has launched a counteroffensive. A drug used in a dentist's office is also found in canned whipping cream.
20: If you're planning to buy a can of whipped cream in New York State, make sure to have ID with you. A little-known law passed by the state legislature last October is now getting noticed now that stores are enforcing it, limiting sales of the dessert topping to those who are at least 21 years old. The goal is to curb possible abuse of nitrous oxide among teens, commonly known as laughing gas, The nitrous oxide in whipped cream canisters is referred to as whippets. For his part, State Senator Joseph Adabo, who sponsored the law, says the target is the cartridges within the cans that contain the gas, not the whole can of whipped cream.
19: That's Ken Burns reporting, and we are USA Radio News.
6: If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare,
12: Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list.
6: Wait, you don't have a book yet, so make a free call to Page Publishing. Turn your book idea into publishing gold.
1: 800-215-6818. 800-215-6818. That's 800-215-6818
19: a ex intel officer and msnbc talking head who falsely claim hunter biden's laptop could be russian disinformation has been appointed to a white house board that offers the president national intelligence advice his name is jeremy bash despite signing on to a letter and lying along with 50 other former intelligence officers about the biden laptop as the fbi and the department of justice has been hating on president trump for years Selective leaks to the FBI's media friends, usually considered illegal, is now normal. The credibility of the judicial branch of government is very low in American eyes. So says Republican Representative Michael Waltz from Florida on Newsmax.
21: America deserves transparency here. No president has ever been treated this way. No president has ever had their home raided over a document uh, dispute. Uh, and I certainly hope the judge moves forward with a special master because public confidence uh, in the, this DOJ, public confidence in the FBI, after they have been just pounding away and hunting after this president for years, uh, you know, public confidence is shot. So we do need to get a third party in there uh, to make sure this isn't a, yet another fishing expedition
19: NASA's scrubbed Artemis 1 moon launch may try again on Friday. Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
3: You know, we are talking about college football getting underway. The the game we had last week in uh, Ireland between Nebraska and Northwestern technically got things underway. And it was a pretty interesting story because the venue is a cash-free establishment like a lot of venues now. And all their machines couldn't connect to uh, Wi-Fi. And so they said all the food is now free, which is such a Euro way of looking at it. If it was in Nebraska, if it was in uh, the United States, they would have said we're closed. So you could have as many beers as you could carry. But this is the thing. This is why nerds are ruining sports. The, the Nebraska is up, and they decide even when they take the lead, out of nowhere to do an on sites kick. And Nebraska, uh, Northwestern gets it, and they walk down, they get a touchdown, and then they take over the rest of the way. There was absolutely no reason, no reason to try an on kick unless some nerd said, oh, statistically, you're, you're better off doing that because the other team never gets it. Well, the other team never gets it unless they do. And that's why uh, it just play football. Can you just use your eyes? It's like W.A.R. Josh Donaldson is actually better than Ty Cobb, according to W.A.R. No, he's not. Quit giving me math and quit giving me stats. Just watch. You can see who's better. And don't kick an onside kick unless you really have to do it. So stupid. All right. <laughs> I'm sure Scott Frost is listening right now, especially a coach like that who's right there on the bubble. Ken Thompson, Miguel Gerwitz, and Stephen Gwinen. Gwinen. Can we find out how he pronounces that dumb when he calls in? Gwinen or Gwinen, I would think. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. Come
1: on back on Byline. That was smooth, wasn't it? That's how you're going to feel when you get that biggie bag at Wendy's. U.S. price participation may vary. Includes
8: four-piece nuggets, small soft drink, and small fry. Prices may be higher in Alaska and Hawaii.
12: This is a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup sound experiment. We're looking to find the perfect way to hear Reese's, so you'll buy more of them. Here we go Reese's.
4: Reese's. Reese's.
12: Reese's. Hey, get out of here, you old stinker! Reese's.
0: Reese's. Reese's.
12: Peanut Butter Cup's. beating the books at their own game visit against the number.com, That's against the number.com.
10: to the sports with Rick Tittle Rick Tittle is a genius the best show ever he's so wonderful genius the best show ever He's so wonderful, titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle, is a, he's so handsome. He's a genius.
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It is eleven twelve out here on the West Coast. This is when we check in with one of the prognosticators over at againstthenumber.com. And they are, ready, a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only, beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist specific packages. Their prices are reasonable. Their tracking and distribution process is simple, and their results are real. Our friend Ken Thompson is back with us talk a little college football ken welcome to the show and i look at a guy like scott frost who has lasted longer in lincoln than i probably thought that he was going to do it and here he is getting off to a good start against northwestern and then out of the blue does an onside kick that northwestern gets and i know the math nerds say go ahead and try it but uh what how long is this guy going to last uh, with the huskers
27: yeah and the way it worked out rick it- yeah, I was going to say the way it worked out on that onside kick. First off, it was a pathetic kick. I mean, you got to at least you know put something into the ball. I know he was trying to get it to where only his guys may get it right at the ten yard, but it was so telegraphed, it was it was really bad. So you know, and the way they lose the game. I mean, here's the thing: if he, if they get it, game's over, right? They're up 28-17. seventeen. They're probably going to win that game, but instead it goes the other way, and Northwestern comes back and wins. So long flight back from Dublin you know, to uh, Lincoln, Nebraska when you're uh, when you're Scott Frost, that's for sure. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to last too long, especially if they lose, you know, their next game. I mean, it could, he could be out of there early. I mean, that's just how bad the writing is on the wall over in Lincoln because they expect it to compete for the West as far as in the Big Ten.
3: Tell me what you think about A&M because they got their best recruiting class ever and, and, uh, Jimbo Fisher knows what he's doing, but a lot of people say they're overrated because they don't like the quarterback situation at college station. What do you say?
27: Well, you know, you got a couple quarterbacks to choose from and neither one of them played you know, really played last year because James King was out and then you get the, uh, you know, you get the transfer. So, you know, you lose your quarterback Calzada, he goes elsewhere. And, uh, You know, Jimbo Fisher, though, he's got one heck of a recruiting class, the best in the country. Uh, He's got a lot of young talent. And so, you know, when the talent's that young and that good, yeah, there's pressure to win, especially Jimbo Fisher. But he beat Alabama last year in College Station. And can you just imagine? I mean, everybody's already got saving winning that game by 30 points, 25, 30 points in Tuscaloosa. But can you imagine if Jimbo Fisher goes in there with A&M and beats Alabama? All of a sudden, you're going to have – a lot of people, you know, that had Alabama penciled in or penned in basically for that championship game, uh, you know, they may be looking elsewhere because Ohio State may be one of those teams, but you may be looking at Texas A&M. It's a good team. They've got good-skilled position players, young players. But, again, we don't know how fast these guys are going to transition. We see the same thing in college basketball. All of a sudden, that team has two, three freshmen that are phenoms come on, and I know there's only five guys playing on a court instead of 11 on a field. But at the end of the day, it's one hell of a recruiting class, and Jimbo Fisher's doing a great job there at College Station.
3: When I look at Notre Dame, top five in a lot of polls, and they're going to be good. We know that. But I look at them starting with Ohio State. They're going to play Clemson. The USC game is in L.A. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at maybe three losses there, which is going to take them out of the playoff picture. What do you think about the fight in Irish?
27: Well, you got Buckner, the quarterback, who's he's not bad. Again, he's not proven. Tyree in the backfield, not bad. But Avery Davis out for the year, that's a major blow. This guy had almost 900 yards receiving and seven touchdowns. they will rely a lot on Michael Merrick, real solid tight end that had seven touchdowns last year. And then the defense, J.T. Bertrand, he's had a he's a guy, linebacker guy, that's going to have to really dictate on defense. And then Isaiah Foskey, Foskey comes back at 11 sacks last year. And the thing with the Irish nine in the turnover department, However, they're going against Ohio State, who was also plus nine in that turnover department. And Ohio State was dominant as far as you know sacks, so they got to be careful in the horseshoe. You know, how do you slow down Jackson Smith and Jigba after what he did in the Rose Bowl last year? I mean, Marvin Harrison Junior.'s there. You got Travion Anderson. and CJ Strouds, the highest good favorite. So, going to be tough there. And then the defensive side of the ball, Ohio State's loaded again, so that's why a lot of people have them already penciled in as far as that fourteen playoff. But I think Notre Dame, you know, they just have to get up to a good stand. They got to kind of. Uh, shorten the game because you don't want Ohio State's offense on the field too much, but you also don't want them scoring touchdowns, you know, in 45 seconds like they did in the Rose Bowl. That was a crazy game against Utes. I hung right with them. But we'll see if Notre Dame can ground it out and get Chris Tyree on the ground and mix it up with Buckner because Buckner can run. He rushed for over 300 yards and three touchdowns last year. So, you know, they got to mix it up and kind of – they're not going to be a team that's going to go no huddle in this game. This would be more like uh, let's take at least uh, 25 seconds before we snap that ball.
3: You mentioned the Utes, and yeah, they put the fear of the Lord in Ohio State in that Rose Bowl. They're going to go to Florida, opening as a two-point favorite. Last I saw, they've got a great returning quarterback in Cameron Rising. They've got a stout defense, probably the toughest team west of the Rockies now instead of Oregon. And a guy in Kyle Whittingham, who I've had on the show in the past, probably the best coach that people don't talk about a lot. I mean, fantastic program they've got going there. What do you think about Utah?
27: Yeah, I like Utah a lot and we had Bill Riley, the voice of the Utes the last fourteen years on the show. And, you know, he talked about really not much uh as far as weaknesses there for the Utes outside of if Cam Rising were to go down, they'd be in a hell of a lot of trouble because they got two backups that have thrown two passes between them. So they'd be in trouble there. But the uh tight end combination of Kincaid and Keithy outstanding, although uh from what we understand, it's gonna be more to where uh, Keith, he's going to be used as a wide receiver a lot as well. And then the running game with Tavion Thomas and Michael Bernard is outstanding. Uh, defensively, when you lose a guy like Devin Lloyd and, you know, Winningham saying that may have been the best defensive player he's ever coached, that's a major loss. He goes on to the NFL. But Mahmoud Diabadi, 89 tackles for Florida last year, transfers, comes in, looked to be the best defensive player that they had on the team throughout training camp and so they're going to look to him to be a leader. Didn't know, uh, Bill Riley wasn't sure if uh, Diabati had actually seen the schedule, knowing that Utah would open in Gainesville, but he said he had liked what he saw when they played in the Pac-12 title game against Oregon and then in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State, so that's when he made his decision to transfer, and he's a grad transfer coming out, so he will be the leader of that Utah defense. and I think Utah's going to get in Florida face, and they practice. Now, mind this because they know of the humidity And when the crowd noise there at the swamp, but they turned their practice facility into 90 degrees, and then they had the swamp coolers going and whatnot, so they made it to where it was very, you know, thick and humid there. And uh, so they tried to prepare, and they had the speakers turned up as loud as possible, so they were able to prepare for the crowd noise. They feel that they'll be ready going into the swamp against Billy Napier, who's in his opener and's got a pretty good team coming back with Anthony Richardson, and then he brings his running back, Montrell Johnson, from Louisiana Lafayette. Coming over there to Florida, so it should be a fun game. But I think Utah comes out. That actually, that line, Rick, actually opened way back when at the Circo to where Florida was a favorite, but has flip flopped. And I know my buddy Brad Powers; he he really likes Utah a lot. And Brad and I do a show on Friday, Friday for that we go over all the stuff. But one of the teams he likes best in the country is Utah, and they're going to break out those uh, brand new helmets against USC at Rice Echo Stadium. And that'll be week seven. There's a chance that both those teams on October 15th could be 6-0 and if they uh, live up to their
3: billing. Just real quick, i got about a minute left. The Big 12, five teams got first-place votes, so you think the program's pretty wide open. Brent Vunables is in, in first year in, in Oklahoma running it. They got the UCF transferred Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. A lot of people say the defense is going to improve because Lincoln Riley, as smart as he was, he kind of ignored the defense a little bit. Do you see Oklahoma as the class of the Big 12?
27: I don't know so much the class because Dave Aranda did such a great job with uh, Baylor last year. Uh, they voted Baylor to be the number one team. So, you know, a lot of stuff that went on off the field with uh, Gundy, the assistant coach. And uh, so that didn't pan out well and not what Venables needed when he comes into transitions from Clemson. But I think the defense will be solid, and I think the offense will be pretty good as well. If I had to bet, I'd bet on OU to win
3: There he is, Ken Thompson against the number.com. Ken, great knowledge, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you, Rick. God Ah, bless. All right. Good stuff. Miguel Gerwitz on the other side. Come on back on Sports Byline.
0: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call
1: now for a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's
22: 800-732-9635. No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror?
1: do you love driving but you don't love your car payment open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as a hundred dollars a month or more it's easy to refinance your car payment just call today to get your no obligation quote and find out how much you can save to qualify for a lower car payment your car should be less than 10 years old have less than one hundred and twenty-five thousand miles and you've made at least six on-time payments That's 800-871-9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
9: Well, I might as well tell you now. You lot may all
26: be internationals and have won all the domestic honors there are to win under Don Revy. But as far as I'm concerned, the first thing he can do for me is to chuck all your medals and all your caps and all your pots and all your pans into the biggest flipping dustbin you can find. Because you've never won any of them fairly. You've done it all by bloomin' cheating! <laughs>
14: Rick Tittle was selected at random from the phone book to host this show.
3: Uh, thank you for that. Welcome back to this show. Rick Tittle with the Acoustic Coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Uh, if we get our guests, we will uh, throw him on the uh, airwaves. We're trying to uh, get that all squared away right now. That's how we talk in the South. We try to get things kind of squared away uh, here and there and there and here. And uh, we do have our guest. It is uh, Miguel uh, Growitz. He is here because uh, he is here to talk about uh, Telemundo, having the call in Espanol for Sunday Night Football, as well as uh, doubling up uh, on his duties for the Copa Mundial uh, as well. Miguel, welcome to the show. And and for you, uh, would you rather do the World Cup final or the Super Bowl? I think I know the answer to this.
26: (laughs) Thanks for having me. Oh, my god that's a tough one that's a tough one um I'm gonna go 1550 uh it, it's it's hard to decide on that
3: all right well let me say l3 is in the final now what you now what would you pick
26: oh my god that, that's a game changer <laughs> okay you got me okay
3: well see I grew up with the great uh, Tony tirado from the 82 World Cup. And he'd be like, el ganador de este partido entre Dinamarca y Alemania. Juego, Inglaterra. And then moved into Andres Cantor, who I had on the show a couple of weeks ago. And it was a gr- oh, nice. great honor. For for you, who were some of your influences, like the Norberto Longos and people like that?
26: Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, two
3: legends. Legends. What is your style? Do you have a um, uh, a goal call that is all your own, or is it kind of like they do in Argentina with the goal, gol, 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 gol?
26: Well, look, actually, I don't, I don't do play with play, but, but if I, if I well, I used to, yeah, to do that, but uh, it's not going to be that long as Andres Cantor, because uh, I will die in, in, in that um, in that mission. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be more something like everything that like, comes in the moment. So uh, yeah, but I, I would like to have the uh, the air that Andres has, but I can't. So
3: no one can. Now, don't feel bad. Now, yeah, are you, are you you're going to go to Qatar, right?
26: Yeah, yeah, I hope so. If my boss doesn't change, uh, his mine.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. I worked the World Cup in 94 uh, here, and then I went to the World Cup in Germany in 06, and I tried to get press credentials for Russia 18, and since the entire world was trying to get them, I was out, so... I, uh, I have to give mad props to the fact that you got credentialed for the World Cup. Good job, Miguel. <laughs> yeah.
26: It, it, it's uh, the advantage uh, that working for, for Telemundo, it's a great company, and we have the rights. So, yeah, it's a true honor to, uh, to go over there to Qatar. I think, well, you, you went to Germany, right? You told me? Yes. Okay. I, I think that's the best World Cup that I have ever, ever, I have ever covered. I, I loved uh, the, the World Cup in, in Germany.
3: It was a lot of fun until uh, all my teams got knocked out, but it was a lot of fun until then. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, really? Well, let me ask you about this because, um, you know, I I got to meet uh, Bora Milotinovic back in the day. I'm a little bit older than you, as you can see. And um, I've seen uh, El Tree play in person many, many times, being here in, in California, obviously. The thing I have to ask is... How old is Guillermo Ochoa because I just saw him play for Club America here in San Francisco? I have to give him props because he 's got to be almost forty by now right
26: yeah um he is no he's like thirty five i think no thirty seven yeah thirty seven years mm-hmm. yeah he's thirty seven but he's he's a great goalkeeper I think for me, and I know this is uh this is a, a delicate um uh, um, debate, uh, for me, Guillermo Choa is the best in, in, in Mexico's history. I respect a lot Jorge Campos. He's my friend. I love him. But I think um, Guillermo Chua, he had a great impact in, in, in the national team.
3: Well, I, I got to meet Jorge Campos back in the day. And just the fact that a guy who's five foot six could be such yeah. a fantastic goalie. And of course, he you know, yeah. he, he wanted to play forward. And he any chance he got, he would run to the other side of the pitch.
26: Yeah, he he was a game changer. He was he was different, and um, he is different. <laughs> I love Jorge. He's a great guy.
3: Yeah, he made made his name originally at uh, Pumas Unam. Who? What's your team in uh, Liga MX? What's your what's your side?
26: You know what? I I, I used to um, go for America, mm-hmm. but um, you make a lot of friends in this business, and you know a lot of people, and uh, so th- this this. Plan part. I think it goes lower every year, and um, but yeah, if if I had to choose one, I think it it would have to be America. I don't scream, but they when they win, I I don't get depressed when they lose. So I just scream and and get depressed for for the Mexican team. That's it.
3: Best Mexican player ever, would you go... I know some of the youngsters would say, like, Chicharito, Harald Borghetti. To me, it is Hugo Sanchez. If you think about going to Atletico Madrid and then Real Madrid, I mean, uh, it, to me, it's still Hugo Sanchez. And I'm an old guy, but what would you say?
26: No, no, I agree. If, if you're talking just uh, the uh, international part, I think there, there's no doubt. It, it, it has to be Hugo Sanchez. But if you mix the international part and the national team, both, I am going to go with uh, Rafael Marquez.
3: I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah. Do you he remember in uh, in South Korea when when Mexico was losing the knockout round to the United States? Rafa Marquez started to beat up Kobe Jones. <laughs> yeah,
26: yeah, we hated that. You believe me. We, I, I was on, on on the pitch. I was live on that game mm-hmm. uh, on TV, and it was it was painful um, watching the, the the Mexican team lose. But it was more painful seeing that from from Rafa.
3: All right, let's talk about uh, American football. Sunday night football in Telemundo. Very exciting, Miguel.
26: Yeah, yeah, I love football. Um, uh, um, there I have my heart, and, and, and it's for uh, the Miami Dolphins. It's not because I live here. Uh, I, when I used to live in Mexico, uh, I came every single year to watch a Dolphins game. And... Um, it's a huge responsibility for me going from football uh, to football. Um, it, it's huge, and I, I love uh, that Telemundo gave me that that chance, that opportunity. And we have a lot of big games in, in Sunday night football, starting with a kickoff. And also the first Sunday night was uh, Dallas against Tampa with uh, maybe what is going to be the last year of Tom Brady. You never know that, but uh, I, I assume that. This is going to be his last year.
3: So, are you a Tua Tagovailoa fan? I know that, you know. Listen, he's the guy for now, right? You get behind him. Yeah,
26: yeah, he's the guy for now, and you you need to trust him. Uh, he has a lot of uh, a lot of weapons with mm-hmm. uh, um, with uh, Tyreek and, and Jaden Waddle. He mm-hmm. has a lot of options with a uh, He has options. You you need to see him perform. And uh, I can't judge him. Uh, So let's see this year.
3: And what would you say is the one thing as you bring the, uh, you know, I I love how you say futbol and football. When you bring football to the Spanish language audience, what are some of the things that maybe a little bit of flair or a little bit of different way you might cover it than the regular American audience?
26: Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be all different. Uh, It's going to be the style that, I'm going to have to develop. It, it, it needs to be uh, natural. You can't force uh, anything. For me, sports, it's, and for you, I think it's all about emotions of that moment. And that's what makes you say what you're going to say and in the way you need to say it. So for me, it's just, you know, uh, let it through the moment and, and, and express it as, you, as you're vibing uh, the game.
3: Now, I'm from Oakland. What do you think about Los Raiders?
26: Lo Raiders. oh my God, that's painful. But you know what? I love the. Uh, I know it's not football, but I love the the uh, the Oakland A's. The uh, Raiders. Yeah, well, they I'm an, have.
3: I'm an Ace fan too. I did their pre and post game parts of eight years too. I'm I bleed green and gold, baby.
26: Yeah, you know what? I think they have, and I'm a Red Sox fan, by the way, huge Red Sox fan. But I think the A's they have the 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 one of the. Um, uh, best uniforms in sports. I love that uniform. The mm-hmm. um, Raiders, the Raiders. Well, Derek Carr, you, you, you have a lot of uh, alternatives this year with the Raiders. Let's see if that college connection between Derek and, and Devante develops right now. But that, that's, you need to go with those
3: two guys. All right, it is Miguel Gerwitz. Make sure to check him out on Telemundo para Copa Mundial and Sunday Night Football. Miguel, good stuff, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it.
26: Thanks for having me. Gracias.
3: All right. uh, How cool is it? He was on the pitch in South Korea. That was that game where the entire El Presidente Vicente Fox and the whole Congress in Mexico wearing the kit, watching it, and our president didn't even know we were playing. (laughs) armor till come on back with, uh, we'll figure out how to say his last name.
18: Do you own an annuity?
1: That's eight hundred seven six zero eighteen forty
4: five. Remember, in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe ten thousand dollars or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good.
1: That's 800 943 2153
22: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now.
1: 800-950-8218. 800-950-8218. 800-950-8218. That's eight hundred nine five zero eighty two eighteen. Paid for by Want to Sell.
26: Uh, th- playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.
14: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
3: Uh, it hurts my feelings. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco, around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome author Stephen Guinan to the show. He has a brand new book out today from Hatchet Books called We Are the Troopers, the women of the winningest team in pro football history. Welcome to the show, Stephen, and we got to go back to the 70s here. First of all, how did you even hear about this, and then when did you think this is going to be a great book?
28: Uh, Thanks for having me, Rick. Uh, Your show is excellent, as as I kind of was introduced to it, Um, (laughs) but to your questions, um, I grew up kind of a Raider fan in the 70s a little bit, um, so I could go deep there. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, and... um, I grew up uh, following the um, uh, the team, the the Troopers. Toledo uh, media, the Blade, and other news uh, you know local news stations did a a really great job covering the team. They began in 1971 and played through 1979, and then they the league folded and and they just disappeared from my you know consciousness. And then years later, I met the uh, I happened to meet the coach's son. Um, who who actually I, I write about this in the book. He, he introduced himself as the son of the winningest coach in pro football history, and I thought of you know Don Shula or Tom Landry, mm-hmm. but no, he was the coach of this really great team that I remembered following uh, when I was a boy. So I, I, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> it's it's um, when when did it, I think it could be a great book. I guess as soon as uh, I, I, I you know met some of the coaches and the players. And started hearing their experiences about what it was like to play football, uh, you know, in the 1970s, women to play football for, um, you know, um, around the country. And, and, uh, and so that, that's, uh, I don't know, it just seems like uh, a hometown story for me. It was, it was, it was part of, you know, that, that held that part of my mind. And, and, uh, uh, but once, once you got to meet some of the players and coaches, it's, uh, it's truly incredible what they accomplished.
3: By the way, did you guys in Toledo embrace Klinger or did you think he was dumb?
28: Oh, he was he uh, we we love Klinger. Uh, uh you know, Jamie Farr was a you know, a kind of a Toledo celebrity, mm-hmm. uh, even though he was sort of like from this backwater place of Toledo, Ohio. Now Jamie Farr is beloved in Toledo. He he often uh you know, would, would come around for celebrity events, so he's uh yeah,
3: he's a star. <laughs> All right. Back to the book, you know, an ad in the Toledo Blade, you know, usually you think about, uh, you know, this, this women's uh, league was formed because they, they wanted equality or the men were off fighting. What was the genesis behind this league? Uh,
28: there was a promoter out of Cleveland, Ohio, by the name of Sid Friedman, who believed that he could uh, start a women's football league that would compete with the NFL. Uh, It started in the late 60s with a couple teams, uh, well, with a team in Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Toronto, Buffalo. uh, And then he also put an ad in the paper in Toledo. And it was the Toledo team, the Toledo organization, Bill Stout, who answered the the ad in the paper. And uh, he he then, I think, really built, took this as an opportunity to... um, to do to to find success in the sport that he once played, he was a um, an all city nose guard in Toledo. He had tried to go to college didn't work out he'd even thought about maybe trying out for the detroit lions didn't pan out and meanwhile, some of his old teammates are, are have careers in in the pros and so he has this opportunity to coach a women 's team and um turns out women take to the game pretty well and um you know they they credit him and the coaches with you know turning them into you know, physically tough and mentally tough football players that could uh, find success on, on, on the football
11: field.
3: By the way, how, how much growing up did you check out the, uh, the Mud Hens? And when you were growing up, were they AAA International League or were they lower?
28: Uh, they were AAA International League. They were the Twins um, team back in the mm-hmm. day before they moved over to Detroit, and mm-hmm. that stadium was about three blocks from my house. We used to walk over there and just collect all kinds of foul balls. You know, it was foul, but we'd come home with a handful of them. But
3: uh, a lot of good times watching the Mud Hens play for sure. What Was that Skeldon? Is that what it was?
28: Ned Skeldon Stadium, correct. Very yeah. good.
3: Um, so, by the way, we're In speaking. In fact, I'll
28: tell you this: the Troopers played there once. They hmm. they uh, they had an exhibition game at at, uh, at the uh, Lucas County Fairgrounds, which is right next to uh, Ned Skeldon Stadium. But anyway.
3: Stephen Guynan is with us, his new book, We Are the Troopers, out today. Um, a lot of times, you know, people might think, oh, girls playing football powder puff, but no, you're talking the Northeast, the Rust Belt. This was uh, getting punched in the face. This was anything but uh, weak, wasn't it?
28: Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the stories, there's so many in the book when they talk about their baptism to the game, they weren't really sure if they were going to, you know, be able to hit or, or take to the conditioning that, that uh, being a football player requires. But uh, um, they took to it, and they figured it out real quick that if you're not hitting hard, uh, you're getting hit. And so I think that sort of M.O. about how to play the game was kind of, you know, uh, they had a, a you know a baptism by fire, so to speak. And, and and they all you know are really competitive and and, and hard hitters for sure um Ruth zucarell who who played uh, talks about um, getting knocked unconscious before she hit the ground on her first practice, so uh by Gloria Jimenez another hitter so they they weren't messing around they're hitting hard and um and and uh you know as a way to kind of you know protect themselves as well
3: So let's say you're walking down the streets of Toledo and on one side of the street you got. Bruce Gradkowski, and on the other side of the street is Kareem Hunt. Who do you go over and talk to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's
28: a tough call. Uh, well, I think Gradkowski's got some uh, restaurants in local, so he's you know you can go to one of his places. Um, but uh, but Kareem Hunt, you know he's he's uh, you know making that's, some noise had, right now. Yeah. Still has a job, so um, might be hard to get to in Cleveland.
3: <laughs> Did, were you a Rockets fan?
28: Uh, of course, um, you know, Toledo Rockets, early 70s, undefeated teams. Uh, my father was a huge Toledo Rocket fan. I kind of followed his teams. We used to go to Rocket basketball games, football games. So, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting little corner market-wise. Like, uh, you know, there's some diehard Toledo, University of Toledo fans in that area, and they'll, they'll root for the Rockets above everybody in, in the 70s they they're Maybe an analog to you know Cincinnati's success in the past couple of years.
3: Well, um, you think about the MAC and just quarterbacks mm-hmm. like Roethlisberger and Tony Romo and Garoppolo. I mean, it's a respectable conference for sure.
28: Oh, for sure, right? I mean, there's right. How many how many you know superstars just emerge out of, out of the MAC? Uh, you know, low draft picks or just kind of under the radar guys who who really turned it on.
3: All right, tell us about in the book here, Laura Jean shows up with four bullet wounds, one bullet still in her neck.
28: Mm -hmm. Uh, Laura Jean Smalley was uh, played in 1972 for the team. Uh, She she had a kind of a violent breakup with a boyfriend who actually shot her four times, and um, no one could understand how she possibly survived. They were able to remove three of the slugs, but one was sort of fused into the bone in her neck, and the doctors left it there. She was an athlete. She was a, a basketball player at OU, and then she heard about the Troopers, went out for the team, and um, played uh, a season in 1972. Actually played in Dallas when the Troopers played in Texas Stadium against the Dallas Blue Bonnets, and uh, played defensive line, um, you know, just – uh, did what she needed to do to survive and, and, and help the team win. So, um, you know, <clears throat> I think they, that shows how, how much they love the game that they're willing to, you know, to possibly risk severe injury um, just so they could be on the field. It's one of the reasons it's it's such a compelling story.
3: No, it's pretty crazy. And help me with this too, because I had a friend who went to Miami and in, in Oxford and she said, I don't, like the Buckeyes, but you have to understand, I'm from Ohio, so I am trained from birth to despise the Michigan Wolverines. Is that true for you?
28: Uh, well, I grew up in in Toledo, and it's really split down the middle. Uh, half the city roots for uh, Ohio State, half the city roots for Michigan. Mm-hmm. On those particular days, in fact, you know, they always talk about the war that was fought <coughs> um, between Michigan and Ohio State in the 1830s. Um, that out of that, you know, Mich- uh, Toledo was given to Ohio, and Michigan got the UP.
3: So <laughs> they um, got the UPER.
28: Yeah, they got the UPER. <laughs> so maybe, maybe they're uh, they're still a little sore about that arrangement.
3: So, have you already been approached for the uh, screenplay? Because this sounds like a Netflix series. Here,
28: it's it's got screenplay written all over it, Rick. And, and let me tell you, the, the story began really as a screenplay. I mean, you talk about women playing football in Toledo in the 1970s and it starts to write itself. So um, about 10 years ago, working with the coach's son who I mentioned, wrote the screenplay and tried to develop that into an independent film. Still, perhaps that will happen someday, hopefully, or or whatever. Um, But then after kind of we attempted to, you know, get the word out about the film, uh, then I, I turned to the book and, and you know try to put it in in um you know to get it down because it's it's history it's it's more than a movie it's it's you know part of Toledo's history it's um, part of Title IX history it's you know it's women doing really incredible things when when they weren't supposed to be doing it as Title IX is kind of taking shape and beginning to have its its effect.
3: Last so, question for you: There are some yeah. sports where women are afraid to play because maybe not so much nowadays, but especially in the 70s, they mm-hmm. didn't want to lose their femininity or be teased by other girls. What was the sexism like for these women who played?
28: Well, I, they grew up in, in, without really any opportunities to play sports. Sports weren't really a work for women to play. There was nice little G, uh, girls' athletic association activities like jump rope and four square, okay, <laughs> or pottery, Um Throughout the 50s and 60s, that, that was their opportunities, mm. and and then Title IX you know, obviously changed that dramatically. Women are starting getting scholarships to you know to to play sports in college, and and then it becomes you know um, and then it begins to become the industry that we know it as today. It still has obviously a ways to go, um, and certainly I think women or people audiences look askance at women football and women's football even today, and. Um, while it is still, I think, uh, I want to say it's a very um, exciting and growing sport right now. The Women's Football Alliance uh, is, you know, has this uh, wonderful tournament they do over the summer. They, over the last three years, they have their championship games at, um, in Canton right before the football hall, uh, you know, pro football starts. Um, and the Boston Renegades are you know, the, the cream of the crop of, of today's game. And uh, I'll, uh, a couple, uh, a great documentary for your fans to watch is uh, you know Born to Play, which really is a deep dive into their story, and you really get a sense of of how important and how meaningful it is for these women to get out there and play and hit hard. Allison Cahill uh, for the <clears throat> Renegades, what a football player she is! So I think even now we're we're, we're still we still have a ways to go before um, I think. It becomes household that women can play football, but there there's some wonderful opportunities and great storylines that I think people can can celebrate, and that's also one of the reasons you know you write the book because these are amazing characters and amazing people who did amazing things.
3: Great stuff from Stephen Guinan from Hatchet Books today. We are the Troopers, the women of the winningest team in pro football history. Stephen, congratulations on the book. Thanks for stopping by, man. Thanks, Rick. Good talking to you. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. I'm Byline.
18: Call now and learn which Echo product by Synergy Science is right for you. We offer free shipping and a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your health by simply changing your water. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789.
1: 1789 That's 800-944-1789.
26: When do broadcasters go too far? Where does hilarity stop? And vulgarity begin.
2: I remember how it all began. I used to sing dirty raps to my east side fans back then. I knew you couldn't stop this rap. No MC could rock like that. Then the new
4: style came, the bass got deeper. He gave up the mic and bought you a beeper. Do you wanna
14: rap? Don't ask Rick Tittle to bring it because it already done got brought.
3: It gotten in, brought in. By the way, American fingers getting deeper into European soccer. The New York Yankees and Red Sox, of course, one of the biggest rivalries in American sports history, but now they're going to be working together. Because the Yankees are joining Redbird Capital in the takeover of AC Milan. The Italian soccer champs that play at the Estadio Giuseppe Meazzo, the San Siro. Redburn owns a stake in Fenway Park. And Yankee Global Advisors are going to be moving in. Now, think about this. That also means that LeBron James and Drake will also be part owners of it because they're involved as well. And first of all, Inter on Saturday are hosting, or I should say, AC Milan are hosting inter Milan. That's Milan versus Internazionale, the Derby della Madonnina, the Little Madonna Derby. Then they're going to place Red Bull Salzburg in the Champions League group stage. It's all going down. It's going down, down, down. I'm Rick Tittle. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow, at 9 a.m. Jeff Die in studio.